0: Welcome back to Seaweed Brain, a Percy Jackson podcast where we discuss each book in the Percy Jackson series three parts at a time and seek to answer the question Is Percibeth the greatest love story ever told? Today we're starting book two, Sea of Monsters Baby, chapters one through seven, with a very special guest, so stay tuned. Hi. Hi. Hi Ola. Hey, Erica. And Carter. Hello, Hi, Carter. Yes, you're special so too. You're... No, even though you're not special it's fine. explicitly.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make you feel like not like the chosen one, but Ola's the chosen one today.
2: It's my prophecy. It's my quest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wait, yeah, truly. That is important in this in this first section of the book. So Ola, a special guest today to talk about the first part of Sea of Monsters. Hello. Hi! What? I'm so
2: excited to be on.
0: Yay! We've been offering first names and um, what you're studying/slash studied, I guess, because you just graduated in school.
2: I am an alumnus of the University of Michigan. They just emailed me to set, tell me that my diploma's been shipped. My name's Ola. I was a seat, well, I'm an alumnus again, like I just said, of the University of Michigan. I just graduated with a degree in international studies and a minor in sustainable food systems, and it was quite fun for four years.
0: So, Ola, um I have a couple questions for you before we get into the meaty meat meat of this episode. Um mm-hmm. what was your like what was your introduction to these books as a kid? How did you get into it? How crucial were they to your life and your upbringing?
2: Incredibly crucial. I was in 7th grade and 7th grade was the worst year of middle school, worst year of my life. I would never repeat it even for a million dollars. Um And I picked up, like, a copy of The Sea of Monsters. Like, I went to a charter school, and we did this, like, mandatory free reading time.
1: And Mm. I just forgot
2: my book in my locker. And, like, we had a policy where you couldn't leave class to go to your locker. So I just picked up a random book off the shelf that we had. And it was Percy Jackson and The Sea of Monsters. So I actually read them out of order. I read Sea of Monsters first. And I was just obsessed with it. Like, the book, it was just so good. Like, I don't even know where to start. Like, I just really enjoyed like the fact that it made greek mythology very accessible because i've always loved mythology like egyptian norse greek roman all of it i was obsessed with it so i just got really into them and i finished the book during free reading that week and then i made my mom go to books a million and buy me the rest
0: oh my gosh wow so they're really we really this was good you chose the part like the book that has true sentimental value for you oh
2: so much sentimental value like i just love everything about this one, like the Bermuda Triangle conspiracy. like uh, Just all of it is so perfect to me.
0: Have you ever been to the Bermuda Triangle?
2: No, but my middle name's actually Amelia and I have so many theories about how Amelia Earhart died and like she definitely crash landed in the um, Bermuda Triangle and then coconut crabs ate her bones and that's why we don't know where she disappeared. Because coconut (laughs) crabs are like massive creatures with these insanely sharp claws and they literally smashed her into smithereens and ate her. Oh
1: my
0: god. You know,
2: if (laughs) anyone else told me
0: that, if literally anyone else told me that, I wouldn't believe them. But because you told me that, I'm keeping it and I'm putting it on the internet and I'm gonna stand by it as fact. I believe it.
2: I firmly believe- I believe this fact. Like, I 100% believe it is fact. Did
0: your parents also believe it when they named you that?
2: Uh, I was named for my great grandmother. (laughs) Uh, it has nothing to do with Amelia Earhart. I just co-opted her story as my own.
0: Are her bones okay? Uh coconut
2: crabs ate them, so I doubt it. They're terrifying. Like look them up when you get a chance.
0: Okay. I will. Thank you for this. This will <laughs> occupy the rest of my week researching conspiracies on how Amelia Earhart died. <laughs> okay. Um and my other question for you is how did you pronounce the name of Percy's centaur mentor teacher as a child when you first picked up the Sea of Monsters?
2: Well, up until yesterday, I was saying Sharon until my girlfriend told me it's Chiron. Yes! And it was very embarrassing yes! for me.
1: <laughs> we yes! love that. Okay. Oh my God. Thank the vindication. God. That is
0: exactly, that's how I said it too. Sharon. Yeah. I thought it yeah. was Sharon. I also thought Carlisle from
2: Twilight was Leslie, so I just <laughs> had poor pronunciation as a child.
0: Okay, that's really good. I'm really glad that we're on the same page here. This is going to color the mm-hmm. tone for the rest <laughs> of the episode now. <laughs> that we, we don't have to be enemies. <laughs> and then this is a part that we've been offering as a question, if you have strong feelings about it, but not, like, forcing you to answer, because it's also kind of dumb. Um, who's your godly parent?
2: I think it would be projected onto me. I think about this all the time. Mm-hmm. I think I would be claimed as a Hephaestus child. Hold <laughs> <laughs> on. Like- <laughs> Like, okay, but like, if you think about it, like, the first, like, objectively African American character is mm-hmm. Charles Beckendorf, Beckendorf, who's in the Hephaestus family. And I just know that <laughs> I would have been, like, also just like the way I'm built and like tinkering and the fact that both of my parents are like have engineering backgrounds. I would be in I would be a Hephaestus person, but I'd want, like, I would ideally want to be like a child of Poseidon, but I would be a Hephaestus child.
0: I'm not going to say I haven't seen you tinker with items in your pocket. (laughs) Like, I may have never explicitly seen that, but I can imagine it very vividly in my head.
2: I feel like I think I'd be Hephaestus. Like, if I looked at it objectively, I'd be Hephaestus. But if I had the option to choose, I'd really want to be a child of Poseidon.
0: Yeah, I absolutely, I get that. I agree with that. Also, not to glaze over this whole Beckendorf being the first explicitly African-American slash, like, low-key person of color character in the book. Kind of, yeah. I'd have to fact check on that. But is there anything, like, since we're diving into book two, although now I know that this was the first book that you read in the series, is there anything you would like to mention, like, burning on your mind about The Lightning Thief or the first book or anything about that?
2: Oh, yeah. Fuck Luke. Fuck Ares. Um... <laughs> Aries and all of his kids. I've had beef with them since day one. Clarice can catch these hands on <laughs> sight at any point in time. I hate Aries. <laughs> fuck Clarice and Aries and like his entire house. Fuck Luke is. And while I'm at it, Just fuck Luke. Fuck Luke. Okay.
0: Yeah. Luke
2: no. I'm gonna <laughs> mm. see. I can't even hold myself back. <laughs> Luke is the worst character in the series by really? far he starts off just on some nut shit by like stealing the lightning bolt even though it's so obvious throughout the whole book that it's luke like they repeatedly mentioned someone should have stole this at the winter solstice we know who was there at the winter <laughs> solstice clarice couldn't do it because Clarice we know from the beginning it. from day one obviously right. luke and he gave him the shoes that almost killed grover like it was obviously luke <laughs>
0: Ola, I think it really speaks to your character and integrity as a human being. <laughs> integrity that neither Carter nor I have. That you have not fallen for Luke, Luke's sad boy, angsty, traumatic past, but a. still a. cute looks. He's a criminal. <laughs> <It's> a criminal. <laughs> I was like, how far are we gonna get into this podcast before Ola calls someone a criminal? And <laughs> <laughs> not far, because fuck Luke. Luke. Like five minutes. <laughs> okay, great. I'm gonna need to. I need. I'm gonna need you to like write down a list of like criminal and not criminal characters in these books. <laughs>
2: Oh yeah, I could give you a list easily. (laughs) Clarice, criminal. (laughs) Luke, criminal. Those stole twins in the the Ernie's cabin. Criminals. Yes. Travis and Connor are always on some criminal (laughs) shit.
0: Like the chariot races, crime. (laughs) I'm really glad that we actually we have finally have somebody who has different opinions. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Slightly. Not entirely, but slightly. Because yeah, we we've we've already outed ourselves as being obsessed with Luke.
2: I just can't get into it. Maybe it is the fact that I am gay, but like just off dome, I was just like, he's so fucked up. Like he's always just doing something wrong and like getting away with it. And I just hate it. Like he should have died in this book, but didn't. Like this would have wrapped wow. up the series quite nicely if they would have killed wow. him on that ship.
0: <laughs> okay. Well I'm really glad I asked that question. <laughs> I'm I didn't you had think I was an gonna get so angry
1: so quickly. No, that was very informative. <laughs>
0: I'm really glad. I'm not here for people with wishy-washy opinions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, it's lovely. Now that all of that is out of the way, and everyone has a great idea of who Ola is as a person yeah, and where I'm her just... loyalties lie,
1: let's get into yeah, it. Yeah, alright, so um, to start off this book, we're starting in not that different of a place, and we started... In The Lightning Thief, right? Percy's in school again, but this time he's at home. He's living with his mom. um, And he has actually managed to get through an entire school year without getting expelled. And we're really proud of him. This is such an achievement. Educational system is a mess.
0: Even if he's going to a hippie, woo-woo little sorry school
2: they literally seem like they're making fun of montessori schools.
0: yeah or like some kind of charter yeah yep, charter. the the teachers are mr bonsai and mrs tesla
1: yes it's (laughs) ah he's he's almost made it through a year at the school he he he, the first thing we get here is that he has this dream about grover grover's running away from something grover's terrified there's a storm brewing he's like off in his quest for Pan, and clearly something is amiss with that but we don't know what it is he wakes up Mm -hmm. gets ready for school um we also got this little bit of foreshadowing about how percy's not supposed to go back to camp what are things different is camp even though it's supposed to be a safe space for us now once again an unknown that we have to venture into and this hero's journey take two (gasps) wow that's powerful
0: nothing is safe the stakes are high yet again also sally is back with those blue pancakes and she is more radiant than ever Oh, Sally! Gabe a is
2: queen. gone. Queen, not a criminal. <laughs>
0: Gabe, criminal. Sally, not a criminal. That's absolutely great. If you said Sally was a criminal, <laughs> you'd be kicked out immediately. No, we Sally, would just end like, this episode, start from scratch. <laughs> We'd never be friends anymore. um It's also like this kind of like, I mean, there's a lot of parallels to this. Like, it's no longer safe. Mm-hmm. What we established in the first book is is like you can't take anything for granted. Like dobby is trying to get harry not to return to hogwarts right now except it's kyron and there's actually good reasons
2: i've also never really read the harry potter books i've read like book four i think i've read book three four
1: that's powerful and and i think that'll be necessary to keep this conversation on track to be to be (laughs) frank (laughs) given the past episodes
0: yeah we've really we've been doing our best to absolutely shit on harry potter
2: Oh, yeah, but fuck Harry Potter. Fuck J.K. <laughs> <laughs> Those criminals.
0: Literally. Harry, Harry Potter an actual becomes, a car, becomes
2: a cop. It's so, so correct.
0: Oh, my He's God. Like, wow. Boy, he
2: becomes a narc. He, he can't be trusted.
1: Yeah, so, so, so we're heading off to school. Like we said, it's this school that's supposed to be very progressive, but we get the idea very quickly that it's not... You know, it's, it's very performative, uh, white liberalism and name only, only type of energy where like they're kind of the teachers in the name of progressivism are sort of not really teaching them things like the English final. It's like a school
0: that maybe I've been to <laughs> their,
1: their English <laughs> final is them like learning about um, Lord of the Flies, I believe, where they're just sitting in like the playground for an hour unsupervised and surviving it. The science mm. final is making something explode. Yes, this... I, I was deeply humored by this. Um, at first reading and even more now. So we're, we're at the school and we, we were introduced to like a few people quickly. We should probably mention Matt Sloan. The bully of the private prep school is back. And this time it's another rich white That's child it. whose entire personality is about exploiting his wealth privilege to attack others. Mm. We love to see that. Delightful. Yes. yummy. More importantly, the other person we're meeting at school is is Tyson Percy's friend. Um, we've met this year, and this is probably a good time to really sit with this and dive in on Tyson. We're just
0: gonna sit with it right away. We're gonna we're just let's talk about all of Tyson.
1: Tyson's facts out there and have a conversation about about Percy's new friend in yeah. school.
0: He is six foot three. He um, is described as having, like, a brutal-looking face.
1: Whatever that means. Which
0: might be, which, <laughs> we, whatever that means, might be confounded by the fact that, um, they can't really, they're not looking at his face. Yes. Like, I think that he, it's, they're not implying that he's, like, really ugly-looking. I think they're implying this, like, hesitancy to look at him, which is, like, part of the mist, so we don't exactly get exactly what he looks like yet. Um, and he, well, he has a very deep voice, but he, quote, like, talks funny like a much younger kid, maybe because he never went to school until now because his backstory is that he is homeless in new york city and the school took him on as like a quote-unquote project um or like a charity thing to house this like homeless kid or they're not even housing him he's i think still he's homeless. still homeless as he's going oh, can we please talk about
2: this can like this is rereading this as an adult like really like as even like in middle school it's like why don't they get him off the streets why is it just a known fact that he lives in a refrigerator box like i know sally doesn't have the funds but percy can share a room why is he homeless why is his best friend homeless and they're okay with this like supposed seventh grader going to sleep every night in a refrigerator box like how is that okay
0: I think it's, it's like, on one hand, it might be, like, a funny oversight by Rick, and on another hand, it might be, like, another funny attack on, like, the white liberal school. Yes. (laughs) That they're, like, really missing the point here. (laughs)
2: He's homeless. Like, yeah, he needs education, but he also needs a home.
0: Yeah. So he's straight up homeless, and he's going to school. And, of course, Percy has, like, befriended him because Percy is, you know, the, like, quote-unquote underdog sort of, like, he's Mm. cool, but he's not cool. Um, and he's, like, Tyson has, like, been, like, his best friend this year, because, like, previously it was Grover, Mm -hmm. right, like, that he would hang out with at the old school, but Grover has gone on his quest, so Tyson has sort of taken that, like, best friend role, but also Percy has this sort of interesting relationship with Tyson where he is, like, even before, you know, we find out what we're about to find out, Percy's almost like a big brother Mm -hmm. to him in the way that, like, because of this thing that we need to talk about with Tyson quote-unquote, talking like a younger kid, like, Percy feels the need to, like, protect him and stick up for him and stuff like that, even though we're going to see very quickly that Tyson is more than capable of taking care of himself.
1: And that also, Tyson is, like, literally, we find out later, like, a young child. Yeah, right? he's like, like a, a baby a... by, like, Cyclops. Yeah. Damage, right?
0: But so was like, Grover was yeah. also sort of, like, young for his... Even though, like, Grover was technically, like, 26 yeah. <laughs> or something. But he was, like, a an adolescent in, like, human age. So that's kind of, like, the thing that's going on with Tyson. But the way that they describe him is in a, like, what we might think of as, like, neuro-non-typical these days. Um, this book was written in 2006, so I can't imagine, like, the language that Rick Riordan might use these days um, to describe him. But they do straight up use the R-word in the book. Like, the bullies mm-hmm. use the R-word, R-word to describe Tyson. And Percy is, like, defends him and is like, he is not that way. Obviously, at that point, we didn't have the language to be like, don't use that word, Period um Mm -hmm. but percy's like don't call him that um and we just yeah we see like percy sort of like trying to stick up for him but at the same time being like a little bit patronizing maybe along the way Mm -hmm. and like maybe treating him like a non-sufficient person even though he's been living on the streets
2: (laughs) yeah he has the most out of anyone in the series bro really grew up for i I don't think they ever give him an age but like he was on the streets He was fighting not only the scariness of being homeless in New York City and like trying to survive, but monsters, quite literally monsters. Not only scary human beings, but scary monsters. Yeah.
1: That's one of the details that Percy gets is that like he has scars on his back, right, Tyson? That we later find out are from a sphinx um, that is also just roaming around New York and yeah, attacking him. And
2: he lives on the same street as the sphinx. Like he was like, Yeah. yeah, one night. It was clawing my back because we both lived on seventy second street. And I've been to 72nd Street multiple times on the east and west side. That's a surprisingly nice street. <laughs> How did no one notice that there was a adolescent boy living in yes. a refrigerator refrigerator box and with yeah. like wounds because he's being ripped to shreds by Sphinx?
0: Yeah, it's a he- wide street with lots of businesses. Huge cross section. There's a magnolia bakery.
2: There's literally a Magno- magnolia bakery. There are several boba seconds. shops these days,
1: multiple bookstores. I mean, we, we know that Rick maybe doesn't have the strongest grasp of New York geography and, like, <laughs> <laughs> what, what the Upper East and West Sides look like. That's a great example. But
2: how does not- Sally Jackson afford to live on the Upper East Side? <laughs> also, something I've been sleeping yes. on, never really brought it up. <laughs> she I think works about it at a candy day. store in grand central she pulls herself up by her bootstraps has no parental family generational wealth where is hun getting the coin to live on the upper east side with percy yes i don't know in a two maybe bedroom, I'm assuming, conspiracy it's like at least 32 to 35 no more than that Thirty-five hundred dollars minimum that they're paying a month in rent where is she getting that You're and right. the money for private school
0: also, I want to uh, momentarily offer this conspiracy th- theory that I'm just now thinking of. Like, what if it was Poseidon that supplied this apartment for them? Because you know how he was like, like, Sally, like, move to the ocean and I mansion, will build you a yeah. palace for the queen mm-hmm. that you are. And she was like, no. And he was like, fine, then at least let me get you a swanky Upper East Side apartment.
2: Yeah, I hope Maybe. so. Maybe. He needs to be doing something. Because he's not Where it was throwing that in. child support. Oh, fucking.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for mentioning him. <laughs> <Fuck you. laughs> anyway. Fine. <Prime. laughs> um is there anything else because we get a little bit more about tyson when we get to camp that we'll talk about when those details come back yeah but i think this might be all that we get right
1: now yes we'll we'll, we'll come back to tyson uh, yeah. later
0: cool again so self-sufficient doesn't need anyone to take care of him just there to help frankly literally he's like i'm here how can i help um and he's very helpful because turns out he's fireproof
1: and also <laughs> super strong
0: which comes in handy because we're about to get the dodgeball game of Doom um, <laughs> in the progressive private private school, which really, like, I gotta say, like, this mirrored my <laughs> middle school PE experience to a T. Teacher 100%. sitting in the corner saying, please now, children, divide into your own teams and throw physical <laughs> projectile objects at each other and yes. see if it makes you healthy.
1: Yes, we, we, we have this dodgeball game with um, a bunch of... Visiting students, like large people who appear there who we've never seen before, who it turns out are um are cannibal monsters. Um, yes, with with fireballs that they are throwing that can kill people, including Percy. But um, yeah, Rick Riordan also throws us this little thing where the the leader of of the cannibals is named Joe Bob, because we do have to remember that this is a period piece. This is set in 2006 in 2006 a middle school period, and beast of course the punchline is that the cannibal's name Joe Bob because Bob is like it's like so random it's I guess so quirky. It, oh my God,
0: awkward it was <laughs> it was before we even had quirky in our vocabulary it was just random and awkward
2: it was random and awkward indifferent like he was just very Roar angry. XD
1: oh, oh, sh- oh no God. that was I'm sorry I did that I that was apt analysis universe. Universe. That, was, that was what oh, we God. needed I <laughs> <laughs> apologize
0: yes exactly thank you for summing it up in that eloquent term Roar XD um, but they they had this big battle basically which <laughs> we've talked enough about them and that run in and Tyson sort of saves the day um, and is we find out like Ken is like Totally unfazed mm-hmm. by this fire. Like, not even his clothes are singed. Hmm. Sounds like superpowers to me. Some kind of godly mythological something. Obviously, we're mm-hmm. suspecting at this point that Tyson is a mythological creature. Creature? Question mark. Ooh. We're going to get more into that. But they, they've, they uh, <laughs> they're like doing their best to fight against these giants. And then like, bam, <laughs> someone shows up. Someone sure does. T- to help save the day. This is on page 22. <laughs> For those of you reading along at home, slash Ola brought her text to the chat, so really grateful for that, pulling out, pulling out her copy. Suddenly, the giant's body went rigid. His expression changed from gloating to surprise. Right where his belly button should have been, his t-shirt ripped open, and he grew something like a horn. No, not a horn, the glowing tip of a blade. The ball dropped out of his hand. The monster stared down at the knife that had just run him through from behind. He muttered, ow, and burst into a cloud of green flame, which I figured was going to make baby cakes. Awkward. Pretty upset. <laughs> Standing in the smoke was my friend, Annabeth. Her face was grimy and scratched. She had a ragged backpack slung over her shoulder, her baseball cap tucked in her pocket, a bronze knife in her hand, and a wild look in her stormy gray eyes, like she'd just been chased a thousand miles by ghosts. Matt Sloan, who'd, be, who'd been standing there dumbfounded the whole time, finally came to his senses. He blinked at Annabeth as if he dimly recognized her from my notebook picture. That's the girl. That's the girl. Annabeth punched him in the nose and knocked him flat. And you, she told him, lay off my friend. Aww. Queen. <laughs> we didn't even mention, I, that just reminded me, we didn't even mention the part where like, Percy is looking at the picture that he has of Annabeth. Aww. They're like pen pals at this point, because demigods don't have cell phones and of We also did not mention
1: that like, um, Percy saw some shadows outside of his bedroom window earlier that day. Turns out that was yeah. Annabeth creeping outside of his bedroom. What? Gasp.
2: Also, quick question. Fifth floor of the apartment building. I'm assume, assuming there's some kind of fire escape. How did he not hear her? All of these like, New York bits and pieces like sometimes really piss me off. What kind of demigod senses does he have to not be on alert to hear thumping all around yeah. his fire escape?
0: Mythical New York City is a really important development of these <laughs> So yeah, so Annabeth shows up. She saves the day. Um, They're running out of the school as they like set it on fire. Aw, Rip. Percy wanted to leave school this year without setting it on fire, but he failed. (laughs) That's okay. This school was worth trash. Um, They get out and they're like talking and Annabeth is like, who is this Tyson? Why is he here? And Tyson earlier was like smelling the monsters. So again, we know that he has some kind of history backstory here involved in the greek gods and percy gives him the whole rundown he's like blah blah western civilization eternal flame moving to new york city and tyson is like yeah and and annabeth is like really freaked out by him slash like disgusted by him we don't know what's going on here we don't know if she has some kind of specific personal beef or if this is like implicit bias towards him for reasons we don't know yet but Percy's like, why are you so upset at Tyson and, sh- and she's like, uh oh, we just we gotta get to camp like there's so much going on. And so she calls the chariot of damnation <laughs> with the gray sisters, which is one of my favorite like kooky images in this book, the three sisters who I think they're mythologically um related to the gorgons um they kind of come up they they share one eye and like one mm-hmm. tooth is it between all of them um and they like use their magic to, taxi cab, the three of them, to Camp Half-Blood.
1: The sisters are also, of course, very wise, and so they, they have information that's important for the quest. They don't explain how it's important, but the location you seek is 30 75 12 which they give after Percy get, grabs their eye from the floor and holds it until they um, tell him. Yes.
0: Kid is getting ballsy. <laughs> he is starting to stick up for it. He's starting to, like, harass old women to get the information he needs in a comical way still like we'll let it slide but still it was kind of a moment Annabeth was like Percy like you, you need to give them their eyeball back and he was like no I need this freaking information because I'm gonna have to go and do something special again later in this book
1: yeah the car was fully about to crash like, okay
0: okay we're like yeah let me get their eye back
2: like <laughs> don't harass old scary ladies
0: they remind me of like Halloween Town for some reason yes or like Hocus Pocus Hocus Pocus, yeah, Pocus.
2: exactly
0: exactly and so basically, like, this all happens and we get to Camp Half-Blood with Tyson. So that's interesting because, like, Tyson shouldn't be able to, like, see the camp or get through the borders. But we're here and, uh-oh, right when we get here, the hill is under attack. Bum-bum. We're going to take a quick break. Okie dokie, we're back. The hill is fully under attack.
1: The hill's under attack. There are two giant mechanical bulls that are charging. And we notice they're going straight past the tree. And something's off with the tree, right? Like, the tree's looking kind of sick, so it's very clear to us at this point that, like, something's wrong with the borders. They're supposed to be protecting camp and making it this special sacred place um, free from monsters and outside interference. Clarice is leading the Children of Ares to fight them... It's not going super great for them. Of course not. It's Clarice. <laughs> oh no. Yes. <laughs> so Percy's like running up to help. Percy's also not doing super great because they're not they're not conventional monsters. When you stab them with the Celestial Bronze Sword, it's kind of not doing a ton. So who runs in to help? But Tyson, with Annabeth's special permission to ent- enter the camp because he has a little difficulty with that, <clears throat> runs in, catches the bull, which is. Flaming. We should probably also mention these bills are, like, (laughs) superheated mechanical things. Um, And Tyson just grabs the fiery bull, is engulfed in flames, survives it, beats the bull up. Wow. Percy is so confused. Annabeth is not confused. We are pretty confused.
0: Annabeth is never confused, frankly. Annabeth
1: is very, very rarely confused. She understands that he survives the fire. We don't really. And the bulls are sort of dispatched.
0: Right. And this is also the moment where Annabeth is like, Percy, you have to look at Tyson's face. And Percy's like, I can't. It's so brutal. Um, and Annabeth is like, just freaking do it. And Percy realizes that Tyson is a <laughs> cyclops that is, quote unquote, like this monster race that are, quote, mistake children of the gods that get cast out to live homeless in cities across America. And Annabeth has something against cyclopses and we don't know what it is yet. But there's too much to think about because Talia's tree has been poisoned and Chiron has been fired because somebody needs to take the blame. Um, and it's scary because we know that he's only immortal as long as mm-hmm. he is needed to train other demons. Chiron's
1: not like the only one we like at camp. Like, mm-hmm. Mr. D is so a unnecessarily mess.
2: Mean.
0: Um, and this is also that moment where it's like the Ministry removes Dumbledore from Hogwarts, like... You're just gonna take out the one powerful person here who can protect us and actually cares about us, and then Kyron makes Annabeth swear on the river oh sticks to keep Percy out of danger, and he's like, "Remember the prophecy."
1: I oof. We 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 like Kyron, but this is not. This is a bad moment. This is some. This is some dark side Dumbledore. Book seven: The flaw in the plan. Level bullshit, right here. Well, like it's just like literally, just be honest with the kids. Like stop
2: pussyfooting around it. Oh, I hate that word. I to take it back. Tiptoeing <laughs> to- around it, and just like tell the kids what's going on. Like let them figure it out. Like hot spicy take. Percy should have been known the prophecy. Like he should know the long-winded half-blood prophecy that they keep secret from him. Like now, like it would be so helpful now. Yeah, the great prophecy. prophecy.
0: And at this very moment, Percy is actually like, Kyron, can you just tell me, Annabeth, what this whole thing is about? And Kyron is like, no. But Annabeth, you, 12-year-old, this is on you now, this whole thing. It is a
1: crushing responsibility. Like, on the river Styx, that is, like, punishable by death. And to ask this other 13-year-old to protect Percy, who also, as we know, is, like, not easy to protect. He is someone who is impertinent, running off into danger
0: literally into danger
1: ah. adults need to take responsibility for more things is such an important lesson from the series
0: right also Chiron straight up tells them not to leave the camp even though we all know at this point that cronus is rising because Chiron is like it's too dangerous to risk losing percy he's mm-hmm. literally just a tool of the prophecy right now um and because Chiron is gone there's a new activities director at camp who is guess what ola literally a criminal <laughs> like, quite
2: literally a criminal like is being punished for his entire afterlife <laughs> because he committed a crime
1: one of the most infamous criminals tantalus except we don't really he we he reveals his backstory later in the book at this point we just know like he did something it's bad right
0: and he's really just as bad if not worse than mr d in the way that he treats people at camp like he is a total bully he doesn't call anyone by their right names although he does Uh, decide to let Tyson stay at camp as opposed to, like, releasing him in the woods to get totally murdered.
1: And then we get a big turning point for for Tyson at this first meal back at camp. Tyson gets flamed. By who, you ask? Well, you know, these children are mistakes from the gods. Well, one god in particular, it's Poseidon! Percy and Tyson are half-brothers.
2: I want more background on, like,
1: Tyson's mom
2: because we hear all about (laughs) how, like... Poseidon just couldn't help himself. Like, he was just so in love with Sally Jackson. She was a queen. But he was also piping this mysterious woodland nymph. He literally had his little clandestine affair and decided to have a little cyclops baby that's about the same age as Percy. So how much did he really love Sally Jackson? Because he still turned around and he was throwing that pipe at someone.
0: Yeah, this is a really good point because it brings up the fact that gods don't only have demigod children that they're neglecting and abandoning all the time, but they have all kinds of creatures that they are not paying attention to. And that kind of like neglect that they're showing is going to become the motive for all of these people to abandon camp and abandon the gods side when the war comes later on, spoiler alert. But anyway, like this is a really big moment for Tyson. And it's also a really big moment for Percy because now he has to face the fact that he has this monster for a brother even though Tyson is basically his brother anyway um but we just like we have to look at what monster means here
1: yes this is this is where we really have to step up in terms of like um questioning what monsters are fundamentally like eh, we've seen it before we we're going to see it more in the rest of this book but yes the idea of of a monster distinction and that it therefore is okay to just kill these beings and you know not killed permanently, but dispense them to Tartarus. That's something that we get complicated with Tyson, especially because Percy at the beginning of this journey is ashamed. He's straight up telling people at camp, like, I'm not actually related to him. He's on the monster side of the family. We're not really brothers. He's trying to distance himself, and it's 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 not a good look. Obviously. You know, an important part of children's books is helping people to helping kids to learn about what it looks like to decolonize your mind. And this is sort of what we're seeing here. But the beginnings are unpleasant because Percy really is so rude to this person that clearly cares so much about him and is so nice to him. Yeah. He's a great person.
0: Tyson is really wonderful. And we basically leave the last book with Percy being literally a hero. And not only did he save camp, but he saved Western civilization real quick. Like, he went to Olympus, met the gods, (laughs) came back, was the star of the camp bead for the summer. And now he is, like, a total social joke. His ego is hurting. But there are monsters that are, like, Echidna, who are—is totally evil. But there's also, like, Cerberus, like we mentioned in the last episode— so, what does this umbrella term of monster mean? Does it just mean that you burst into golden dust when you get stabbed? Or does it mean that you are inherently part of, like, a lower caste? Mm-hmm. What is that term supposed to do for us as readers yes. in
1: this world? O- overall, I- yeah. I-, I also wanted to, like, draw a quick little shout-out to another fantasy series that we haven't talked about yet, The Chronicles of Narnia, which were very oh, big from my childhood. Heck, In yeah. that, like, this... The, the return back to Cap, like, in addition to this whole, like, monstrous half-brother thing, Percy is also getting shit from everybody because he was gone for the year, and shit's mm-hmm. totally different now, and Clarice and the other year-rounders are basically just telling him, like, you don't know what's up anymore. You need to, like, shut up because we've been dealing <laughs> with stuff. Um, And we see this also as, like, sort of a way of, like, ratcheting up the stakes Um, and sort of being, like, this place that's familiar, it's not actually. Like, you need to be on your guard here again Yeah, because things are not as they seem nothing it's is different safe you don't know stuff anymore.
0: Right. That was such a beautiful um, comparison, Carter. Thank you for bringing the Chronicles of Narnia back into our consciousness. <laughs> um, pushing ahead, the camp is chaotic AF right now. Tantalus is announcing that they're bringing back the chariot races, even though it's been many years and there have been like three deaths and 26 mutilations. It's a super triwizard tournament type move. Um, all the cabins sort of like team up, but Percy and Annabeth decide they're going to be together because Poseidon and Athena, horses and chariots, we've been through this. They're going to get together wow. and they're going to fuck all the other teams up.
1: Now kiss. Ola, they are 13. <laughs> Thirteen year olds can cast. It's okay. fine. There, there are a few mm-hmm. things that we want to quickly mention with the chariot race. One is like a parallel to the Tri Wizard tournament and that like they're being actively subjected to danger as a means of distracting them from the other challenges that are befalling the world. <laughs> um, yep. uh, we also um we should probably mention that, like, the Percy Beth team quickly falls apart because, per- like, Annabeth and Percy have this really hard conversation where Percy is, like, mad all the time because of Tyson and everyone's bullying him. But also, mm. Annabeth, again, still has this this grudge. And it- we're getting now, specifically, that, like, she doesn't like Cyclopses. And why is Annabeth racist? Mm. Yes, she is. But Why? <laughs>
0: yeah like we don't want to let her off the hook for this like we're not going to yeah. We're just waiting to see maybe like where this is coming
1: from she also yeah like the, the, like it's also a very interesting conversation because percy's out here like basically attacking tyson and then as soon as annabeth is like yeah i maybe you're right percy flips right back around and is like how dare you uh, we're not friends anymore Percy
0: is, like, a whole mess right now.
1: Maybe going in the right direction? We're we're actually sort of pleased to see Percy sticking up for Tyson, but also by, like, driving Annabeth away. Yeah, Yeah. basically
0: it's messy, and Annabeth is like, fine, you and Tyson can be together, and their team splits up. And that night, the brothers have, like, a chat in their cabin where Tyson is basically asking Percy, are you ashamed of me? And Percy's like, no, no way, like, we got this, we're gonna win the race. Um, And then Tyson falls asleep immediately because he is a total (laughs) king. Um, who does not waste time. Um, And then Percy has another dream.
1: But this one's different from the other dreams because he talks to Grover. This isn't like him eavesdropping in some other conversation. Grover, we learn, has set up some sort of empathy link with Percy, um, and is just telling Percy, can you come rescue me? I'm trapped with, oh my god, Polyphemus. Why do we never look at pronunciations before we do these episodes? I
0: mean, I was definitely thinking Polyphemus. polyphemus. I I
1: think it's Polyphemus. Yeah, Polyphemus we're gonna stick with that Polyphemus this giant legendary Cyclops who (laughs) um who was the plague of Odysseus in the Odyssey um famously um has has kidnapped Grover in um in in his cave in the Sea of Monsters which what is that we don't know where that is yet um and also has it right
0: what Grover tells Percy that it's a trap. The reason nobody has ever returned from searching for Pan is because this guy, Polyphemus, has something, an it, which smells like such powerful, rank, nature, magic smell, uh, <laughs> that the searchers come here and then Polyphemus eats them because he's got this thing for sheeps and hooves, I guess. Um, but in order to communicate with Percy, Grover sets up this empathy link and is like, sorry, um, if I die, you might die, question mark. The stakes are suddenly super high again. Um, And in the morning, Percy tries to talk to Annabeth about the dream. But it's chariot race time. And she's like, listen, (laughs) boy, you will not be distracting me from winning this race.
1: And and then they do have the chariot race, which is, as we expect, a mess. And, um, you know, chariots are just falling by the wayside so quickly. We understand why people died. It's so dangerous. Mm -hmm. But also, these birds come out to attack. The, um... King shit. (laughs) Stymphalian. 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 Birds show up.
0: Stymphalian. That sounds. Why are wrong. we
1: so bad at this?
2: God damn it! I think there should be a pronunciation guide at the back of the books.
0: Like I, there sure, there like, really should be. I should have known that it was we Chiron. Too. Yeah, I agree, Rick. Why?
1: Where are you at? Why You're asking? Pretty Ricky.
0: I can't wait for. I hope he's listening Eric, to this.
1: I'm pretty, pretty sure we've are. we've added him on Twitter, haven't we? I think he would listen. We'll yeah, add him. Yeah, again. We have. Well, Adam yeah, add him again. I think. I think he can Anyway, sing. yeah, they defeat the birds with Dean Martin music, which that one hurts a little bit. I why does he? Why is he so mean to Dean Martin? Dean Martin's good, right? Am I,
0: am I? When we were twelve, when, like, Old music bad. Only dynamite.
1: <laughs> dynamite by Tio Cruz. Yeah, nothing against. Twilight. Oh, I think this book actually predates Dynamite by Tyo Cruz. Wild to imagine that literally anything predates Dynamite by Tyo Cruz, but um, and yet some things do.
0: Yeah. So. The chariot race was a distraction. We don't know who released the demon birds. We don't know where they came from. But Percy and Annabeth and Tyson, Tyson now, because Tyson is taking over the iconic spot in the trio, now that Grover is gone. They fend off the birds. Um, And meanwhile, Clarice wins the chariot race because she's the first one to make it to the finish line because she wasn't helping anybody.
2: Um, <laughs> she's a selfish witch. <laughs> she only won because everyone was literally getting their skin kicked alive. And she yep. was too busy focused on the race, which is a bad Person
0: the I matter. Completely agree. It, it was very Aries of her. She
1: just, just wants to win.
0: Yeah, she literally only cares about winning. Um, and so then Tantalus basically turns around and is like, Annabeth, percy and Tyson, none of this would have happened if it wasn't for your terrible shitty ass <laughs> chariot driving. Um, so you guys are now gonna be punished with KP Duty, and while they're washing dishes in hot lava. They get to discuss the dreams that Percy has been having and the Sea of Monsters. It's in the Bermuda Triangle. And the it that Grover has been talking about is the freaking Golden Fleece.
1: What does the Golden Fleece do? Just to recap, it's this magical, uh, like, sheep fur, right? Because that's, you know, literally what it says. Um, And it is full of, like, nature magic. It um, kept this fantastical garden alive somewhere in, like, West Asia in Greek myth. Jason went on this whole quest to steal it to revitalize his land because... Stuff wasn't growing there. This could save the camp. It could fix the tree, Mm. fix the borders. Wow. It's almost too convenient. How is there one quest Mm -hmm. to save camp and also get Grover back?
0: Interesting. Interesting. Uh, Yeah. Well... Percy, we're just like going with it now because Percy is all riled up and he knows that he needs to save Grover. So the trio goes to Tantalus and is like, straight up, we need a quest. We figured it all out over KP duty, and the campers are all like, we need a quest, we need a quest. And then Tantalus is like, fine, Clarice. And then the campers are like, Clarice, Clarice, Clarice. These like hive mind boobs. And Clarice says, yes, I am your hero. I accept. Percy is like, but it should be me. Like, It was my idea. It's my best friend. Um, And then he realizes that the Grey Sisters gave him nautical coordinates to the exact location in the Sea of Monsters. And Tantalus is just like, shut up, you freaking impertinent baby. Um, And basically, we're just not really pleased with anyone in this situation. But frankly, least of all Percy, because quests are like not given out willy nilly. And honestly, to expect that he is just going to get granted a second one is some like big three entitlement like bullshit.
1: Yes. And to shut everyone up, Tantalus tells his own story as a ghost story to the people of camp. And we f- get to refresh on this for those of you who um, need to brush up on your dull ears a little bit in this moment. Tantalus um, stole nectar and ambrosia from the gods. And, um, you know, the gods didn't like that. So to show that there were no hard feelings, Tantalus invites him to a feast and tries to feed his to them in the meal. He murders his children and tries to feed them to the gods. It's wild. This is truly demented. He's one of the icons of the field of punishment because he's, like, this is such a high-level offense that we get. Side note, his son, Pelops, is, ends up ends up being, like, not important to the series, but, like, is also a cool person. Look up these myths. Apparently, Pelops was Poseidon's axe. What? So we never talk about them in these books, but... What? Yeah, Pelops um was Poseidon's axe and was uh, a big chariot racer. Pelops' whole backstory is about chariot oh, racing. Maybe that explains why um Tantalus starts the chariot races and like is excited to see these these, you know, upstart demigods kill each other, um as he sort of hoped would happen with his son, who he again murdered. Uh... <laughs> Pelops also started the Olympics, which is cool tidbit. The cool is really cool. They named the Peloponnesian Peninsula after him. That's I didn't a really know any deal. We'll move on. <laughs> we're, we're back in the cabin. Tyson and Percy are having another heart-to-heart after Percy is sort of peak angsty, angry, it-should-have-been-me energy. And Tyson is out here saying the things that we know Percy has thought through for himself. Tyson is thinking, I shouldn't have been born. I, I'm just a burden to you. My life is misery. I'm destined for sadness. All of these things that Percy has definitely thought, but also it- it hits harder from Tyson because Tyson's life has been much worse than Percy's. Percy, you know, he's yep, had Percy's home. had some bad luck. Being on the streets. No, Ty- Tyson was homeless, and without parents. A nice streets. Of Percy used to like sort of comfort him, even though Percy himself is not over these same issues, and has to, you know, basically tell someone that it's okay when they're in a situation that is like his but worse. Yeah. It's really interesting.
0: He's sort of growing... Again, like, we see him growing up. The growing up is really rapid in each book. Like, he's going from being 12 to 13, and he's learning how to digest his own feelings while helping somebody else at the same time. Um, And he's feeling... And, like, again, like, Tyson's like, great, falling asleep now. (laughs) Peace out. (laughs) And Tyson conks out, and Percy takes his illegal cokes down to the beach, because he's like, I need to clear my head, gotta talk to my dad, or, like, just be with the ocean, the lake... Um, and we meet a new character, a new God in this moment. And this like Ooh, really cool. What? This is one of my favorite scenes where he's just like yes. on the beach alone at nighttime. And Hermes comes jogging up in his like runner suit. And we like get to talk to him. And he's like clearly came here just to see Percy. Um, and we don't exactly know why, but he has this whole conversation with him. Um, and we meet Martha and George who are the snakes on the catechist, which I love because it reminds me of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Like, that had to be a purposeful little Easter egg there that they're, like, always arguing and stuff. But they're really funny, and they're a great addition to this book and the rest of the books. <laughs> they're like, bring me a rat, Percy. I don't know. I just love them. They're really funny. They're, they're great. And they're really cute. And Hermes um, is gives him this kind of long-winded story. He's like, what constellation do you like? And Percy is like, Hercules. And um, Hermes is like, you know, like, everyone has to defy rules sometimes Mm -hmm. even the rules of the gods wink wink nudge nudge time to be impertinent percy and he gives him these gifts he gives him a compass he gives him like which are like winds um and he gives him these like vitamin gummies that are supposed to like help him out um and he has this like heart to heart where he's like hey like listen i need you to go on this quest anyway because i need you to help my son
1: Oh, uh, like, yes, this is this is the first time we're meeting Hermes, especially you know, which is important to us mostly in the context of Luke. Like this is Luke's dad who he hates so much, mm. and he showed up here, and he's like nice. This is like one of the like we we mostly liked Poseidon, but Hermes is kind of for me at yeah. least, this is the god so far that I've liked the most by a me pretty too. substantial margin. He's, like, adorable. He has these, you know, like, George and Martha are great. And I think that's to be to his personality, that he has these people around who are openly, like, insubordinate to him and are kind yeah. of, like, meant to serve him. Yeah. And, like, even when Percy, like, refers to him as, like, Luke's dad and, like maybe is not the most polite to him. Hermes is so chill about it and, like, nice. Because
0: he's not one of the, like, main all-powerful gods. Like, he's the god of roads and of travelers and messengers, It's like, mirrors the Hermes cabin, like, generally being kind of chill and fun. Mm -hmm. Like, he's just, like, this cool, like, uncle character who is trying to stick up for his son because we, this is, like, the first moment where we see the gods, like, really intervening here to help their own kids. Yes. He wants Percy to help Luke because... He really liked Luke and he saw so much potential. And like Luke was Hermes's pride and joy. Like he was so proud of his son. Um, and then he just kind of like jogs away on the beach at night.
1: Perhaps, perhaps a, a reading.
0: Perhaps a reading.
1: <laughs> We're on page 104 for those of you reading along at home. Consulting the text. Um, um, thanks, I said. But Lord Hermes, why are you helping me? He gave me a melancholy smile. Perhaps because I hope that you can save many people on this quest, Percy, not just your friend Grover. I stared at him. You don't mean Luke. Hermes didn't answer. Look, I said, Lord Hermes, I mean, thanks and everything, but you might as well take back your gifts. Luke can't be saved, even if I could find him. He told me he wanted to tear down Olympus stone by stone. He basically betrayed everybody he knew. He he hates you, especially. Hermes gazed up at the stars. My dear young cousin, if... There's one thing I've learned over the eons. It's that you can't give up on your family, no matter how tempting they make it. It doesn't matter if they hate you or embarrass you, or simply don't appreciate your genius for inventing the internet. You invented the internet? It was my idea, Martha said. Rats <laughs> are delicious. <laughs> <laughs> it was my idea, Hermes said. I mean the internet, not the rats. But that's not the point, Percy. Do you understand what I'm saying about family? I am not sure. You will someday. Hermes got up and brushed the sand off his legs. In the meantime, I must be going
2: what like one of the low-key like good moments when we hear from one of like the gods talking about their kids like i don't mean to like go too far ahead in the book but like Ares isn't the best to clarice even though clarice's buns um and poseidon like literally comes in and out of percy's life without offering him anything substantial but hermes like really seemed to care and like want to help his kid, which is huge for the series. And like, especially when we hear how dangerous it is for the gods to intervene.
0: I love how he calls him his cousin because he's like, Ooh, we're all related. Like, don't forget, like, even though we like to distance ourselves from our parents and siblings and stuff and cousins in these books, um, like at the end of the day, like it's still family. And it's like speaking to this thing that Percy kind of told Luke in, at the end of uh, lightning thief where he's like, how can you go against these people? Like these are our parents. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: Luke is like, not my parent. Um.
1: Now, we, we don't want to oversell it. Like, there are definitely things to complicate here. Like, Perse, like Hermes is sending Percy on this quest knowing that it's against the rules. And he's kind of using Percy, oh, right? Yeah. Like, he's giving him these nice tools, but he also has an agenda yes, that he showed up with. Absolutely. And also, like, we, we don't want to presume to know Luke's perspective here. But clearly, like, Luke doesn't have the whole picture, but he has something. Like, there must be a reason why Luke hates Hermes so much. And at this point, we're mostly just confused about what that could be. Because Hermes seems, like great so what's up with that Uh, Ah. and with that hermes leaves percy with this giant decision tyson and annabeth show up they have the bags packed and he's like you have five minutes are you gonna go on this legal quest or not Mm -hmm. gasp cliffhanger
0: bum bum and that is where we're ending for this first third of the sea of monsters Before we go, Ola, thank you for being so generous with your time today. Thank you for having me. Before we go, I have a couple questions for you. Even though we didn't spend a lot of time talking about Persibeth in this episode, you know, because they're 13 and they're worrying about other stuff, we've got new characters and plot, um, still, it's very important to me to ask you, do you believe Persibeth is the greatest love story ever told?
2: Yes and no. I'm reading back as an adult, I think, yes, yes, yes Uh, um no reading okay reading it when I was younger 100% yes reading it now there's a part of me that doesn't I hate that like trope that like boys are mean to you because they like you sometimes when they're mean to each other it really pisses me off because boys should not be mean to you because they like you if you like someone you should treat them with kindness and respect but also their banter is so cute and I just think that Rick really takes the time to build their relationship in a healthy way where it isn't like, oh my god, they have a crush on each other, like, they hate each other because they're in love with each other. It's like, no, they really truly do care for each other and want to keep the other one safe and, like, value each other and both recognize each other's strengths and want to build each other up through their weaknesses. And I just think that, yeah, in that regard, I think this is the best, like, series-running, like, romance that I've seen in, like, a young adult novel
0: yes yay yeah that's a really great answer to the first uh part of this book where we do see them fighting a lot and we see like percy being mean to annabeth and annabeth being low-key simply racist um and our second question for you ola is do you think we should be yet again setting out on a dangerous quest at the hands of the gods just to be saving western civilization no
2: (laughs) no literally like there's a part of me, like, I don't want to say I see what Luke is saying, cause fuck Luke. But, um, the fact that they have two options and the binary is either destroy what it is and build something better, or like, be complacent and keep it the way that it is, is really, like, hard for me to wrap my head around. Because, like, especially now when we have, like, so many conversations about abolition going on, like, it's really hard for me to sit here and say, like, oh yeah, it is completely, like, worth it to just, like, let Mount Olympus be shitty and, like, let them stay in power and stay at the status quo. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But also, Luke was on some, like, (sighs) I want to revive the Titan God, you know? I want to kill millions of people. Like, there is a better way to do what Luke wanted to do. There's, like, a middle ground. I think that there should be a better middle ground of, like, yeah, the system doesn't serve us the way that it should and we need to fix it, but that doesn't mean we need to call upon the scary, scary Titans and murder humanity as we know it. There's better ways to do that. And I think that Rick and like Percy really like work through that in a much better way than what
1: stupid ass Luke had in mind. <laughs> That's an excellent answer. Yeah. I really appreciate that.
2: Thank you, Ola. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: So that concludes uh, the first episode on Sea of Monsters. Thank you, Carter. Thank you, Ola, for being with us today. Love you both. Join us next time for the meat of the quest and some Fatal Flaw action and a very, very special underwater bubble. Okay, bye. Bye. (laughs)